Welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast, where we talk to C-level leaders from across the payments landscape. We'll be discussing the products and services that impact the payment space today, as well as trends and predictions for the future of payments. We will also hear stories from our guests about their journeys to the top. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Greg Myers. As we continue this month with our focus on open banking, our pulse is on Trustly a well-established open banking platform that enables merchant commerce via ACH in a manner that reduces fraud and promotes a more seamless payments flow. Today, I talk with Chief Legal Officer Catherine McCall about Trustly as both a rapidly growing company and a true leader in our industry. For those of you that may not know, the Trustly brand was launched in the U.S. through a merger with a local platform, Pay With My Bank. Trustly has grown exponentially since 2018 when they had just 20 employees, and now they have 300. Catherine talks about the nuances of this merger and the differences between the U.S. and EU open banking ecosystems. Both are well-established, but consumers in the EU were early adopters of the bank transfer model. Their ecosystem has been thriving on it for decades. The U.S. ecosystem, on the other hand, still gravitates largely towards card and, though less prominent today, check payments. Tune in to hear how the benefits of open banking differ from the merchant versus the consumer side and what the future looks like as we charge forward towards automation and digitization. We've got a great episode ahead, so let's get started. Hi, Catherine. Thank you for being here and welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast and specifically this special episode of the Pulse of Payments about open banking. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Greg. I'm very happy to be here and thank you for having me. Absolutely. So let's dive right in. Tell our audience a little bit about your background and your role today at Trustly. Okay. I am currently the Chief Legal Officer and General Counsel for Trustly in the Americas. I came on board in-house with Trustly in December of 2019, and I was their outside counsel starting in January of 2018. So I'm a longtime person at Trustly in our world. And your background has been legal your whole career? Legal my whole career. I've been an attorney for 26 years. I did have a couple of careers before becoming an attorney. I lived in Japan for a little while and I was in advertising. But after law school, I graduated and went right into working with companies in mergers and acquisitions, venture capital financings, high tech and fintech. Awesome. Well, before we dive in, let's talk about Trustly, the company. So tell the audience what Trustly does. In its simplest terms, Trustly enables merchants to capture payments from their consumers. And we enable those merchants to capture those payments via the ACH and other bank networks via a very secure connection. And how big is the company? Ah, well, we are growing. So to give you an idea of how fast we're growing, when I started working with Trustly in January of 2018, there were about 20 people, four based in the U.S. and 16 in Brazil. And now we are approaching 300 employees. So a very, very rapid growth. And most of those employees were added after I joined. When I joined in December of 2019, we were about 40 employees. And also most of those people joined during the pandemic, which has been a whole new experience of interviewing people via video conference. We started with a core product. We've added to our core product line. Our core product was just processing payments. 
Now we've added a guaranteed product to that. We've added a data product. And I mentioned this in the opening about open banking. Uh It might mean a lot of different things to different people. Can you define how you look at open banking? What does that term mean? Okay, I can define it two ways. One is my definition. I actually then also, as everybody does these days, I Googled it. What is open banking? So in the Google world, open banking is the use of open APIs from a financial institution that enables third-party developers to build applications and services around the financial institution. And what Trustly does or what we do in open banking, which is something that we've done from the very, very beginning, is we build APIs to connect to financial institutions to enable merchants and consumers to leverage the consumer's bank account to make payments, gain information, reduce fraud in transactions, and enable a frictionless payment experience. And correct me if I'm wrong, but open banking or using your bank account to pay is much more prominent in Europe than it is in the U.S. Can you speak to why that is? I can speak to why I think it is. In the U.S., we have had checking accounts for a long time, and then credit cards came into being, and we're very comfortable with credit cards, very comfortable with checking accounts, although younger folks today may not quite be as comfortable writing out a check. I certainly remember the days of doing that. Whereas in Europe, checking accounts and credit cards aren't as prevalent. So I think they started more with bank-to-bank transfers. I know way back, I mean, this is the early 90s when I lived in Japan, for a consumer to have a checking account was just unheard of. We used more bank-to-bank transfers. Of course, we had to walk down to the post office or to the bank and fill out a form to have the bank then transfer a payment for us. So it wasn't quite as easy as jumping on your phone or jumping on your computer and being able to do it. But I think in the U.S., we're rapidly catching up, especially around open banking is becoming more prevalent. People are becoming more comfortable with it. They're realizing that writing a check isn't all that easy anymore. And then a lot of times using a credit card isn't as easy when you're constantly having to enter into that six-digit code. And then what's the number on the back? And oh, what's the expiration date and filling out all of those things. I think we are rapidly catching up. And then the younger generation these days have a much stronger interest in reducing debt and using their bank account and not incurring all that credit card debt. Trustly launched here in the U.S. through a merger with Pay With My Bank back in 2019, I think. Obviously, it's grown tremendously. I mean, you talked about from an employee perspective how much it's grown. So can you speak to that growth here in the U.S. since that merger back in 2019? Certainly. So when I started out, I was outside counsel for Pay With My Bank. And I counseled Pay With My Bank through the merger with Trustly. And that merger closed in June of 2019. Then I came on board in-house in December of 2019. And what that merger enabled Pay With My Bank to do was to really jumpstart its growth by having a secure financial backing and then also having a product that has been built out and actively running in Europe. So we were immediately able to tell our merchants here in the U.S. that, yes, you can use our services here in the U.S. and also in Europe. It was also great to have to draw on the resources of Trustly in Europe around as we were scaling our company, you know, how do we add these different functions? What different functions do we need? 
to be able to look to the European organizations. So these are the different functional areas they have. We can add those in the United States or they have a functioning area in customer support or anti-money laundering or different things that we could perhaps leverage here in the United States. So it really enabled us to very quickly scale and come up to speed, knowing that we had the backing of the Trust League organization in Europe and just that wealth of knowledge to pull from. Yeah, and I would assume any time merchants can find a lower cost of acceptance, it's certainly attractive. I would assume it's sort of like the snowball effect is you win some big accounts and others see that and they want to also take advantage of that. I'm sure there was some sort of just, I guess, natural, I don't know what the right word is, but sort of that snowball effect of, hey, XYZ, my competitors offering this lower cost of acceptance, this awesome solution, we should be too. I would assume there was some of that in play. Yeah, there was some natural back and forth in that we had some merchants in Europe with the trusted organization in Europe saying, oh, now we can go to the U.S. and then vice versa, the U.S. merchants going to Europe. We also, you know, we're a lower cost payment method than credit cards just by virtue of what our service is and how it's built and the banking network that it uses. So for any merchant looking at what the cost it is for a credit card and what the cost is for using our services, that's really attractive when we compare side by side, which is things that a comparison that our sales team does all the time. Instead of paying all of X amount of money to the credit card companies, you could keep that money and enhance your revenue and your bottom line. Yeah. And beyond the lower cost of acceptance, what else is Trustly doing that's unique or different that's allowing for this tremendous level of growth? I mean, I guess said another way, what is so compelling about Trustly? Sure. So I would say on two fronts, we've got what's compelling about it on the merchant front and then what's compelling for the consumer. So on the merchant front, we've already talked about there's the lower cost. We are also, we have very enhanced and robust security protocols in place to ensure that all of our payment transactions are extremely secure. In addition, the way that we are able to leverage a consumer's, you know, the banking networks and consumers' bank accounts and information, those bank accounts, we're able to reduce fraud in transactions verify that that person is who they say they are, that that bank account is valid. The more we can reduce fraud in the payment networks and in the financial networks overall, the better we all are because fraud is very expensive to try and fight. And we also work with every single one of our merchants to enhance their experience. How can we drive consumer adoption of our payment method? Because the more consumers adopt our payment method on the merchant's payments page, the more money the merchant's going to save. So we're constantly doing A-B testing in our UX and in how we appear on the payments page, et cetera, to ensure that does this work better? If we add this, does it work better? And then we can tell merchants, this is the best way that you can present our services and present how we look on the payments page to ensure conversion. And we actively work with all of our merchants to get them the best experience possible. And then on the consumer side, quite simply, it's easy. It's frictionless. It's a couple of screens to pop through. You don't have to open an account. You enter your bank username and password and authorize the transaction and you're done. 
you go right back into the merchant page. Um, you know, you don't have to enter your bank account routing number, which a lot of people are like, I don't even know what that is. My mm-hmm. bank account number, like I have to enter all these numbers. Oh, I'll just use my credit card. Or the worst case scenario for the merchant is, eh, this is just too hard. I'm not going to do this. I don't need those shoes. I really don't. <laughs> so we just make it as easy as possible. And we have a whole team that even after a merchant signs on with us and after we get them integrated, a whole success team that then continually works with that merchant saying, how is it working? What can we do? How can we present this in a better way? Are you running into any sticking points? Where's the friction? What's going on? So a lot of our merchants are always telling us, gosh, you know, nobody else works with us this way. A lot of times, you know, we sign up for a service, we get integrated and that's it. And then we don't know what to do. Whereas you guys are constantly working with us, calling us. If you see a drop off in transactions or things like, hey, you know, what's going on? What can we do to help? So I think that's a lot around what makes us so compelling is that we're great to work with. Great product, very secure product. And can you talk about Trustly's global footprint? So maybe what are some of the countries you're in today and maybe some of the nuances of these different regions? Sure. So we are active in the United States, Canada, Europe, and Australia. So in Europe, we're active in the UK, Scandinavia, so Sweden, Norway, Finland, Denmark, Germany, France, Spain, Italy, most of the countries in Europe or in the EU, and also in Australia. Are there nuances between these? I mean, I'm sure there are. I know the EU is much more regulated than the US, but are there nuances with Australia or any other differences between the regions that people should know about? Yeah, there are. So the US and Canada is fairly similar in that we both have banking networks available, although Canada is a little bit farther ahead in some of their banking networks. And for the U.S., the ACH network, RTP networks work across the United States, so they're federal networks. When you get into Europe, it's a lot more broken up. I think all of us here in the United States, we think, oh, Europe, it's European. You know, they've got this EU, so borders are meaningless, which really isn't the case in Europe. They do have the EU. They have this PSD2 open banking initiative. But then on top of EU rules and regs and the PSD2 scheme, each country can then also put its own rules and regulations in place as long as they don't violate or trump the PSD2 or the other open banking rules and regulations. So it is very nuanced and very different as you move between different countries in Europe. It's a lot more fragmented that I think a lot of folks in the United States would be very surprised at how fragmented it is, which of course makes it very challenging to build out a payment network that will work the same, whether you're in Spain or Germany, or you know you just happen to go for the weekend, but you cross the border and it's a whole new thing, but you're expecting Trustly to act and feel exactly the same. So it's a lot more challenging in Europe due to the fragmentation, the additional rules and regulations over there. Down in Australia, of course, they have their own licensing regime to jump through to get licensed. Also, the privacy rules and regulations change as you cross borders. So there's a whole new privacy rules and regulations in Australia that we have to implement and make sure that we are compliant with. Same with Europe. In Europe, it's GDPR. And then, of course, in the United States, we don't have 
a strong federal privacy rules and regulations, but then we do have a lot of industry privacy rules. And then, of course, there's California and a couple of other states that have their own privacy rules. It's a challenge and it's nuanced. Everybody kind of thinks, oh, it's just bank to bank and it'll all work the same everywhere. But it really isn't the case. But that's some of the challenge for us in order that when merchants come to us, they can sign up with us and then they don't have to see all of that or deal with all of that. They can trust that when they sign up with us, it's going to work the same across international borders and they're going to have the same experience. What are some of those challenges? I think I want to kind of put this in the perspective of kind of legal and compliance. So what are the challenges that merchants face integrating your solution from a legal and compliance perspective? So that's sort of part one. And then are there other just sort of generic legal and compliance challenges when it comes to actually paying with a bank account? So in terms of compliance, we set up our services and our product from day one, even when we were dealing with very, very small merchants. But we set it up to be enterprise grade, to be able to handle large merchants and a large volume of transactions. So I think some merchants are sometimes surprised a bit by some of the compliance hurdles that they jump through with us. We do a lot of due diligence on our merchants, making sure you know you are who you say you are, that you're going to be able anti-money laundering compliance, know your customer compliance, but then they're also doing the same thing on us. So it's a little bit of that's a bit of a mutual hurdle that everybody has to jump through, which is to make sure that We fulfill all of our anti-money laundering, know your customer due diligence, rules and regulations. Then, of course, there's also rules and regulations in order to get access to the payment networks. So the ACH system through NACHA has its own rules and regulations about who can get access to those systems. So ensuring that everybody accessing those systems is fully compliant, that we don't have any fraudsters accessing the system, et cetera. So that can be, sometimes it's a bit of a surprise for folks, especially if you're a large merchant, you know, it's just like a household name and they're like, we have to do all of that? Yes, you do. (laughs) Everybody has to do all of this. Everybody does know who you are. Your logo is very recognizable, but we all have an interest in ensuring the security of our financial systems and that we eliminate fraud from those systems. We eliminate any financing of terrorism. We eliminate money laundering from it, which means that there are certain controls in place. And then there also might be controls around how much an individual user or the amounts of transactions that can go through until each of us figure out what we're comfortable with, both the merchant and us, and sometimes even the payments network. But all of that is really built around just ensuring that we are secure, we provide a fantastic experience that eliminates fraud in that payment network, and we're not letting any criminal proceeds through or anything of that nature. Usually it's a give and take because then merchants are doing the same thing with us. They want to make sure that we are above board, that we are not going to defraud any of their consumers, et cetera. So it's a bit of a give and take. Yeah. One question I've always had about sort of just the open banking concept of entering in my bank credentials, whether it's for payment or other things, is what is my bank? How do they play a role in this? Do they have to give permission? What are the challenges that the financial institutions have 
or what role do they play in this from sort of a compliance perspective or an agreement perspective, or do they play in it? They can either not play a role, or if they have developed an API to which we can connect to, then we will connect to that bank API, which enables access. Or when a consumer goes through our UX and they give us their username and password, we'll use that username and password for one time to connect to their bank account, and then we discard it and don't keep that username and password, which is one of the reasons why we're so secure is we have a username and password for an instantaneous second, and then it goes away and it's discarded. We'll work with the banks in any way that we can. A lot of banks, especially when we started up, were not interested at all in working with us or developing an API. Now they're coming around. So if they've got an API, we work with that and work with them to ensure that their consumers, their account holders have a great experience. Makes perfect sense. So where do you see the payments industry or more specifically open banking headed, say in the next two to three years? What's the future start to look like? I think it's going to become a lot more prevalent and I think there's going to be some more regulation. There might be some more regulation here in the United States around what exactly open banking looks like and what the banks need to do to enable open banking. You know, it's really interesting. Banks can get a little defensive or you can't have access to that. But really and truly, I'm a customer. I'm an account holder at that bank, but that bank account is mine. And if I want to use that bank account to pay a merchant through Trustly or through any other system, I should be able to do that. So banks are slowly coming around to that realization that their account holders are not going to be very happy if they restrict access. Because their account holders expect now to be able to hook their bank account up to various different services to make their lives easier, not only in payments, but in managing their finances, getting automatic account updates through aggregated services, et cetera, like a mint or things like that. But I think we're going to see more and more, more regulation in open banking, more adoption in open banking, more people using it and more services coming around it, taking advantage of open banking and just making it easier for the consumer and for the merchant, which is very exciting. Yeah, it is. It's very exciting. So Catherine, we've covered a lot of ground today on you and a little about your background and your role there and obviously open banking as a concept and then Trustly specifically. So is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? We're hiring. So anybody, if you're looking for a position and want to come and join a great, exciting team, come join us. We are hiring. Great. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for being on the show. I know your time's very valuable, so I really appreciate you being here today. Thank you so much, Greg. It was a pleasure. And to all you listeners out there, I thank you for your time as well. And until the next story. Thank you for joining us this week on the Leaders in Payments podcast. Make sure you visit our website at leadersinpayments.com, where you can subscribe to the show and where you'll find our show notes. If you enjoyed listening, please share on your social channels as well. 